I'm a zombie! I've been bitten! You're listening to the Survival Podcast for zombie nerds everywhere. Zombies Ate My Podcast. Hello and welcome to Zombies Ate My Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Murphy, and joining me, as always, is the busy zombie lord, Lou Page. How's it going, Lou? Uh, is summer here yet? Uh, yeah. I, f- I mean, as of y- two days ago, as of this recording, I should say. Is it really? Because I'm still, like, wanting to turn the heat on and I'm cold. Really? It's so yeah. hot here. Oh, my. I uh... we're, we're barely breaking 70 degrees most days. Oh, wow. So you know what happened to me yesterday? I thought uh, we got one of those, and this will be the short story, and then we'll get to the zombies, but I have a smart thermostat. Yeah, me too. And uh, it's been working for a while. And then yesterday, we were going to bed, and there's this like white screen on it, and it's and I'm like, what the heck is this? This is new. And it's this warning. It's like, hey, there might be something wrong with your air conditioning. We've had it running for four hours, and the temperature's actually gone up. It's like, yeah, that's because it's like 30-some-odd degrees Celsius outside, so... It's okay, thermostat. <laughs> uh, you know what I do with mine, actually, is uh, my thermostat, it stays on, but it has a turn the furnace off function, and I turn the furnace off as soon as it gets above, like, 65 degrees out. Yeah. And then it'll stay that way until, like, you know, November. Yeah. October, November, and I'll turn the heat back on. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, well, you know what? Uh, furnace talk. Uh, that's a new one for the for the intro banter. But yeah, we, we, we definitely never talked about furnaces before. <laughs> well, there you go, folks. It only took 275 episodes. Uh, but I won't tease further. Let's get to the news. The virus has completely devastated over 150 of the world's major regions and then is spreading rapidly. And we're going to kick things off. Uh, lots of video game news, because if you're a video game fan, you know that this period of time is known as the ghost of E3. E3 may not be here, but it is, it is, its presence is felt. Uh, a lot of announcements from major uh, platform holders, as well as zombie games. And we're going to kick things off with a blog post that went up after a couple of different uh, announcements on the Summer Games Fest opener from Naughty Dog and the future of The Last of Us. And this is kind of split up into three different announcements. And we'll start with the big one, which is the fact that The Last of Us Part 1 is being remade and it's launching on PlayStation 5 uh, in September and then later on this year on PC and Lou, this is a complete remake in the updated Last of Us Part Two engine. Um, and uh, yeah, The Last of Us uh, Part One is being remade. We had a remaster, remade again. Yeah, I mean that that argument can be made. We got remastered. Now we're getting a remake. And you know what my thought was when I heard this? What's that? This is because Naughty Dog doesn't want to make a new game. Like in general, they don't want to make a new game, yeah. or. <laughs> yeah, they're just cashing in on. They're just trying to cash in again. Well, there the is least amount of work. Yeah, there's a. Well, I mean, I'll say this: there's there's been a lot of reporting on this project. The fact that it was started 
by an outside team or not an outside team, but a, but a support team within the PlayStation sort of house of studios. And uh, that was like, Oh, that's really cool. And then because Sony didn't want that team working on a full scale project, they gave it to naughty dog. And um, the idea behind this remake, it is kind of cool. Like, I don't think this is for you or I Lou. I mean, we've both played these games or I I guess we both play the first one. And I think this remake is for folks that that may have missed it or held off a uh, friend of the show, Jocelyn from the Gamers Inn. She's very much looking forward to this remake because she still has not played the first one. And I mean, I, I think we can definitely say this will be the definitive way to play it. They're talking about taking all of the original performance captures. They've um, they've brought them into this new engine. They've given all the characters new looks. And I think. Uh, they've also they're also addressing gameplay and I mean I gotta say the gameplay in part one versus part two it's vastly different and much more improved in part two so if they can really like capture that um, in this remake I think that will go a long way because I think the main complaint about the first one was was some of the gameplay mechanics right yeah yeah it, one of the, it felt very video gamey um it the fighting and stuff combat wasn't as polished as I believe the second one is. So if if they're updating that and they change some of that, it will ma- it'll definitely make the game run smoother. Yeah. And I'm all for that. I'm like, I'm like, I'm not poo-pooing the fact that they're doing this. That I think it's awesome, but I would rather wait. I would rather see them make some, something new or do something new. Yeah. But that's just me. No, I agree. I think Naughty Dog is a, a very good studio and, and they've obviously expanded a lot since the original and I'll say this: I think the reason we're not getting anything new right now is Neil Druckmann's busy getting into TV and movies. Yes, yeah. Although he did announce at Summer Games Fest that he is working on another project because he is not directing the uh, remake or the standalone multiplayer. Um, and that was the other one. Last of Us Part One launched with a multiplayer component called Factions. There was news prior to Part Two from Naughty Dog saying, "Hey." We love factions. It's not going to be a part of part two. It is something we're going to look to add later on. That has now expanded to the point where they've, they're going to make it a standalone release. Um, likely free to play because it wasn't announced free to play, but here's my thinking. There's been a lot of news out there that Sony is looking to get into more free to play experiences, more service games and, I feel like this will be a service game from Naughty Dog in the Last of Us universe. Um, all we got was concept art, but they did promise more news um, leading towards 2023 and, and its release shortly thereafter. So uh, I would expect this one to launch by the end of 2023. Yeah, uh, I don't know about it being free to play. I have a suspicion it's going to be an extremely low cost experience. Yeah. And I'd be fine with that. I think it's going to be like a $10, $20 get in. And then, and then there's going to be buyable stuff in there. But uh, I see a lot of stuff at the market with the free to play stuff. I think the free to play, a lot of people are realizing that free to play doesn't mean what you thought it meant. No, <laughs> there's been a lot of news about free to play being like, yeah, it's free to boot up, but uh, we're going to. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, the, 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 Diablo Immortal is a nightmare from what I understand. Yep. But that's another whole conversation for another whole show. 
Yeah. Uh, well, you know, you mentioned that Neil Druckmann's doing some TV directing, and that is true. He's going to be, I think he directed an episode of The Last of Us, which will be premiering on HBO at some point. Uh, and we keep getting these stills. He was creative director, and I believe he directed the first three or four episodes. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely heavily involved. Um, we still don't have a trailer. We're seeing a lot of like leaked images. I mean, uh, they occasionally pop up in in my feed. Again, I I will not be excited until we get a trailer. Yeah. Well, no one's no one's asking you to be excited, but we are going to say that uh, th- they premiered a new still. I know it's not a trailer, but it's our first look at Joel and Ellie from an official standpoint. Uh, we got the behind the shoulder uh, image of uh of joel and ellie from uh the last of us on hbo now we have them uh looking at not at the camera but uh at least we can we're we're seeing their faces and and more about their characters and i mean obviously it's their job to talk up the show on the sort of you know press sort of junket with with summer game games fest but uh there was news there that they will be including Ashley Johnson and Troy Baker as different characters. So obviously Ashley Johnson and Troy Baker playing Ellie and Joel in the game. They are actually going to be in, in they say cast in major roles in the show. Um, obviously not as, as Joel or Ellie, but they'll be in there. So, I mean, I know, I know you need to wait for a trailer, but like, when do you think we get a trailer? I feel like we should have one by the end of the year. I think we'll have one by the end of the summer. Oh, that would be nice. Yeah, I think by I think by August, maybe September at the latest, we'll have a trailer. I mean, that timing makes sense because Sony really hasn't had like their big summer announcement. Um, they did have a state of play, but it was it was more. Uh, how do I put it? It was just it was kind of more third party focused. So uh, hopefully we'll get more from them soon. But uh the video game talk is not done because Capcom had a showcase where they devoted about half of it to Resident Evil. Uh, lots of Resident Evil projects uh, coming from Capcom over the next year. Uh, Village is going to be, I think we talked about it last episode, I, I believe, where they're, it's going to be coming to PlayStation VR 2. But Capcom also confirmed that Village will be... Uh, getting a third person mode uh, as well as some additional DLC later on this year, uh, which includes a, uh, a, a, would you call it sequel DLC? Like, I, I think it would be considered a sequel, like a follow-up, a direct follow-up to, to the end of village. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that excites me is I, I definitely, I definitely want to play the DLC related to eight. Uh, I had a really good time with eight. Um, I will say this, it is Steam Deck compatible now, and I did not have a fun time playing it on my Steam Deck, but that was just me. <laughs> yeah, so it looks like the DLC, which is going to be um, part of a gold edition, which will be launching later this year, uh, it all comes out October 28th. The DLC will include Shadows of Rose, which is the uh, the episode where you'll play as Rose. It's entirely in third person, so that can only be played in third person. They're also adding additional quests to the mercenaries mode, which will include uh, Lady D as uh, as a character, um, and also a new third person mode for Ethan in the main story, which it sounds like that was just a cool addition because they got third person working in the engine for Shadows of Rose. 
Uh, but they're actually yeah. going to be doing a bunch of new animations and stuff for Ethan with this third person mode. Like, will you play it again in classic? I will play it. I, I will at least play it again in third person. And then if then I'll probably play through it again in first person just to see what it's like. Cool. Cool. And uh, you know what? Also included there with the release of that DLC will be Reverse. Uh, that was the multiplayer mode that was delayed. Uh, gosh, I mean, did Village Village did not come out this year? It came out last year, right? Hold on, I'm looking at it right now. I feel like Village wasn't this year, but if it was, that'd be kind of. I think it was last year. Yeah, it was last year. Yeah. Um. So this DLC will be launching in October. And I have access to Reverse because it came with with eight, but it is still not here yet. No, it's launching uh, October 28th alongside the DLC, so you'll be able to check that out. Um, you know, there is a, they reconfirmed the announcement that we'll be getting next-gen updates, which I believe are live now because my computer wants to update Resident Evil 7 and Resident Evil, well, all of them. So Resident Evil 7, Resident Evil 2, and 3 uh, are getting updated patches on PC, Xbox, and PlayStation. They're Xbox and PlayStation current generation. Um, on PC, there was an announcement that you can actually revert to the previous, uh, version before the update. Cause again, like the next gen update did increase the minimum requirements. So keep that in mind. If you're looking to jump back into Resident Evil seven, uh, and you have that patch, you might want to revert if your computer can't handle it. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really, it's really neat to see, you know, developers, take this backwards compatibility thing and, and take it a step further and like, okay, we're going to take these old games, give them a bump. I mean, at the end of the day, like I know there's work involved, but like the PC version had features ahead of Xbox one and PS4. So like they can kind of like kick up the resolution, lock in a higher frame rate, do some fun stuff there. So it's always nice to see that. Uh, but Lou, the big news was more gameplay for Resident Evil 4 Remake, which is coming out in March of next year. What did you think of what you saw for Resident Evil 4? Again, I'm very interested in this Resident Evil 4, and I definitely am going to play it when it comes out. But it, 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 they're doing different things. It's gonna. I think it's going to be the same story. I think it's going to be less goofy and less corny than it was in the prior iterations, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, definitely looks like they're. it's a more you know, uh, a more darker approach, you know, more horror focused. And, um, as you said, less silly, which I think is a good, is a good take, like more in line with the two and three remakes, which had their moments of fun, but we're very much focused on like, Oh, right. This is a, this is a horror game and, and we're going to experience that. Um, well, you know what, moving from resident evil, let's move over to the walking dead. Uh, which has a new experience launching in July. This was also announced during the whole, you know, summer uh, video game announcement season. Uh, it's called The Walking Dead Last Mile. It's coming in July, but it's it's a little bit of a unique take in that um, it will air exclusively and for free on Facebook Gaming, and it's a part TV show, part game experience. And I warned Lou ahead of time, like, when we talk about this is you're going to hate it because it's just, it's, it's got buzzwords coming out of every, of every corner, but here, but uh, 
it's the trailer focuses it's a cinematic trailer we don't know more it will begin on july 11th um it's set in an alaskan community so for me and we were talking about this pre-show as well i feel like i have to experience it because i've been asking for snow zombies from the walking dead for for quite a while so i mean i probably don't have an excuse at this point i have to watch it or or at least check it out um but essentially how it works is you'll you'll watch the experience um on facebook watch and you'll complete gaming interactions on facebook gaming and that'll give you points to then vote on things and then your votes will impact how the story plays out and it's kind of like a community event um again it just reeks of buzzwords but i don't hate the idea i need to see how it's executed to decide whether or not i care I will probably tune in for this for the first event and then see how it plays out in the second event. And if it seems really dumb or if it seems like they're just paint by numbers, then I'm just going to be like, "Eh, I'm done. Yep, I 100% agree. I'll check it out uh, at the launch, see what it's like. But uh, I can see it being sort of a try it and walk away slowly. They have to tell me a better story than the telltale stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, if there's like if there's no if there, if the story isn't good, I mean, it's not like the gameplay is going to be knocking our socks off, right? Because those first two Telltale games were really good. And then after that, they all went downhill fast. Yeah, well, they were certainly rocky. That's for sure. Uh, Lou, you put this story in here. Lollipop Chainsaw, which is a game I've never played, but I've heard a lot about. I'm curious. I, okay, so I've never played it. It was one of those games that came out for 360 back in the day, and I saw it and was like, oh, yeah, I should play that. It's a zombie-related game, and I believe we weren't even doing Zamp at the time, or we were. Ju- I think it was around the time we started. And I was like, oh, yeah, I should play it. Uh, and I, it just fell off my radar. And it's one of those games that I look back and I go, I always hear good things about it, and uh, it was written by James Gunn. That really? was one of the reasons why I or he was involved in some way, shape or form. And that is one of the reasons why I was like, oh, I really should play Lollipop Chainsaw. I think James Gunn wrote it or something. That's cool. And then there was a headline this week that Lollipop Chainsaw is coming back. And I believe it is going to get a it, it's it's getting a like a remastered and it's going to come to I the, the rumor is it's coming to switch. I mean, uh, to steam. Yeah, it's a it's a tweet from. It looks to be sorry i'm just trying to confirm here uh previously so y- yoshimi yasuda just simply tweeted lollipop chainsaw is back by dragami games please look forward to it <laughs> so um i mean honestly like in the age of remasters and remakes and I, and i think it's great to like we we loved the return of stubs and i feel like this is kind of in that same vein of like let's bring back a cult classic make it playable on current generations don't do anything crazy to it. It's one of those games that I you'd expect people to be like, "Uh, it's a cha- cheerleader running around with a chainsaw killing zombies." What it what, what uh like it it's one of those it's a giant trope. But every time I've heard it mentioned, it, it, it people always say something and I always go, "Oh, it's actually really good." And I'm like, "Really? It is?" Like it's one of those things where I keep hearing it's good so I should play it, but I'm like, "Yeah, it's on 360. I'm not digging that out." Yeah. Yeah, but it it's uh, it, it feels like a game you can bring back. I mean, if they can bring back those destroy all human games, uh, and 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 have a good time with it, I, I feel like this one is also 
Yeah, it was it was written by James Gunn. Oh, that's so cool. And it's a and it's a Suda game, so Suda Fifty One. I was gonna say it, I I could have sworn it was a Suda Fifty One game. So yeah, it's a, it's a Suda and James Gunn uh, uh the thing. Oh man, that sounds yeah. Bring that back. <laughs> Perfect timing. I mean, I I never played No More Heroes Three. Uh, that was like the the last sort of Suda return to uh, an older franchise, but. Yeah, I mean, Lollipop Chainsaw may be returning to a storefront near you. Look forward to that. Lou, that is going to do it for our news, but we've got some fun stuff in our topic this week. Well, what are you waiting on? Time to party like jungle animals. That's right. Uh, We did say we were going to talk about Night of the Living Dead, and Lou had a fantastic idea to spice things up by uh, watching the Joe Bob Briggs special uh of night of the living dead which is the last drive-in with joe bob briggs it's episode one it's episode one of season four and it was their official 100th movie uh as a uh, as a show mm-hmm. yeah and i've never seen it before this is my first viewing of any joe bob briggs content um frankly i think to be honest i think this is my first experience watching any sort of like movie host type like I, like they seem so in the discussion of the episode it really felt like this there was this whole genre of television that i've never you experienced did, you before. never experienced never never ever i've heard of it like obviously elvira is the one that comes to mind you know mystery science theater 3000 i've never seen any of it i've heard of it but i've never seen any of it so uh, mystery science theater 3000 is kind of like this but it, it's very different uh uh the every horror host is different some horror hosts like Elvira, uh, you're not going to learn anything about w- watching Elvira. Elvira just kind of like tells jokes in the interstitials, making fun of the movie. Um, uh, people like Sven Gulli are who is interviewed in this ep- in this episode, and you didn't know who Sven Gulli was, which I didn't expect you to. <laughs> I, I meant to warn you before they got into Sven Gulli. Um, uh, Sven Gulli is kind of a mix of the two. He does gags and jokes, and he also kind of fills you in on stuff about the movie. Um, uh, but Joe Bob Briggs is the one where you're going to learn a lot of crap about the movie. Yeah, we learned a lot about Night of the Living Dead, and obviously uh, we talked about this before, but we they, they go over, they do some repeat stuff, but like there's there's some new stuff in here that I did not know before, and, and I, I won't possibly be able to recount all of the new information but it was just it made rewatching this film now for the third time i think uh really interesting because i just there's just a lot of this guy clearly really cares about um 
you know, the genre and specifically this movie. And he just has a bunch of tidbits to, to provide to the audience. And, uh, it was really good. Like, I almost feel like if we ever, like, if there's another movie that we're going to discuss and it's like, and an it's old in school, this vein. yeah, like it, I would, I would almost be like, Hey, let's, let's see if Joe Bob Briggs did it. And then maybe we can. Oh, trust me. I, I would, I would know. Yeah, for sure. So, and, 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 and he has covered other movies, but I don't think he's covered many that we would talk about on this show. Yeah. Like more old school horror, like pre seventies type stuff and not necessarily just zombies. Right. Yeah. It's it's not, this is, I think, I think there's been other zombie films, but nothing that's nothing that we would cover here. Well, I mean, I'll say this about, you know, watching night of the living dead uh, again. Um, I, this I think, made it much more watchable, didn't it? Well, yeah, it did. It it made it like I've I obviously already seen it again, so I was like kind of second screening it. But every time Joe Bob Briggs came back on, I would like pay attention to his stories, and he's quite the character. Um, his uh, his co host I guess, like I can't remember her name. Uh, Darcy. Darcy, thank you. Um, was it was very <laughs> it was interesting banter between the two, where I felt like I was talking to you about it, like she was very awkward and he i think just well he wrote his lines <laughs> that's true too like it just it felt like it felt like she was almost like not i don't know it was there's something about it that was a little off but as you said it's it's her character right like that's the character she yeah. plays um well he's done as i i i discussed this with you pre-show uh he's this is his third or fourth iteration of this type of show um it started out his name is not joe bob briggs <laughs> Uh, that is the name he used used to do horror movie reviews in the, the late 70s, early 80s. And it's kind of stuck with him. And um, he is he did this on the movie channel. Then he did it on TNT and he's done it. And I think they think there was another place at some point. And then he's ended up here on Shudder in the last five or six years. And, um, you know, he hadn't done this in like 20 years, but the gimmick had always been. Uh, whatever network he was on, they always got would get mail from from listeners or watchers or viewers or whatever. And he always had a mail girl that would come out. And usually the network would always hire somebody that didn't know anything about how horror. It was just a pretty girl to bring him the mail. And sometimes he'd make friends with them. Some girls would last for like whole seasons of his show. And then some would be like three episodes and gone. <laughs> and um and Darcy is the first girl to be on the show who's actually a horror movie fan. In fact, she like like she's now like his personal assistant almost in real life. So uh, their banter is often her really just bantering with him and giving him crap. <laughs> yes. I mean, she very much was giving him crap about like, I know it's I know it's uh, he's the host of the show, but he talks a lot like and he would keep. Oh, yeah. I would think like, oh, he's going to he's going to throw it to the movie and he would. But then he wouldn't they wouldn't go to the movie. He'd just keep talking. And it's a joke. He does that every episode. Yeah, no doubt. And I just half expect Darcy to come over and and be like, just just go back to the movie. Cut his mic, you know, and uh, they have done that before. Oh, no um, doubt. There, there is a segment you can find it on YouTube. I highly recommend it. Um, it was from one of the first seasons of the show where he talks about um, it's one of my favorite segments he's ever done is he does this segment about how people keep talking about 
being an indie horror movie person and how you know you have a phone it doesn't need to be good people can you can make you can make a movie with your phone you know you just have to be creative and he's like look at our set and he like walks around the set where they're filming and you can see how it's like they're just in a studio somewhere like that's not even like a real trailer and stuff and like any any talks about the thing and he says make your movie I promise I'll watch it. Like it's 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 a very funny segment. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's uh, he he does bring that up in this episode as well. Is in that like you if you are a creator, you just have to create. And uh, yeah. he he did make reference to the fact that obviously the landscape has changed a lot in terms of uh you know distribution. You know, like there he says there's five major companies that you go to for TV and movies. Um, I think he was, he was being a little more, uh, negative than he needed to be in the sense that like, yes, in terms of like high budget TV and movies, there are five companies and they're dwindling and merging faster than, than you can keep track of. But we also have many opportunities to just go direct to customers with YouTube, um, with other streaming services. And I mean, he does make reference to that too, but like, it sounds like he's he was very he kind of brokenhearted when it came to horror and that like yes the genre has certainly made strides and and has um you know uh continued to be present in theaters and is a genre people look forward to and you know he brings up the walking dead being one of the biggest uh he did, he did do um there is a version of the there is an episode of the show where it's just him and uh, Greg Nicotero, and they watch the first two episodes of The Walking Dead. Oh, that's cool! I'll have to check yeah, that it, out. That it, it's it's very cool, and they have um, uh, they have one of the special effects guys uh, make uh, Darcy up in a Walking Dead makeup, and so they start out with her in like right, like getting her face done, and they keep cutting to her as they put more makeup on, and then eventually she sh- shows up on set in the makeup that they just did to her okay it's kind of cool you've sold me i was like i gotta find <laughs> i gotta find that episode um i can't remember if it's an episode or a special it was done for it was done for this last season oh it, um, for season four season four is the current running one no no it was done for um walking dead oh and they aired it on shutter as a special it's just the first two episodes and it's um. nicotero and they discuss Darabont and what Darabont wanted to do and like how the show took off and stuff like that. And they talk about Nicotero's history in horror because he's been around forever. Okay. Well, I have to dig that up. That sounds really cool. Um, I, I don't, I can't, I can't seem to find it. I'll look up. I'll look it up after. Yeah, you'll find it. Cool. Um, I mean, I, and we will talk about the movie. I, I know we've, we've talked about the movie before, but uh, I, I really like the, the, the the format and i mean i have some clips like obviously joe bob briggs the character and likely the person behind the character really loves this film and obviously the iconic line they're coming to get you barbara is uttered uh more than once throughout this three-hour special and i I think i captured all of them so i'm gonna quick fire these lou prepare and uh have some fun with this they're coming to get you barbara they're coming to get you, Barbara. So that's Joe Bob Briggs. <laughs> he did both. He did both of them uh, in separate, uh, separate uh, 
interstitials, and then uh, now we have the actual uh, show, or sorry, movie. They're coming to get you, Barbara. He's coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> so I forgot about that one, where uh, where Barbara actually uh, imitates Johnny <laughs> in the yeah. in a moment where she's she she spends. Uh, so I also thought this was interesting. She she spends this this movie mostly in a state of shock. Uh, in the 1990 remake, she does snap out of it. I think sooner than she does in. Yeah, in the in the nineties in the nineties remake, it's like, it's like the it she's in shock until Ben grabs her and looks at her and says, "Listen, we gotta get out of this," and like he shakes her and it's like she wakes up, and she spends the rest of the movie helping Ben boarding up windows and kind of watching, and in this version of the film, she spends most of the time sitting around scared mm-hmm. and in a panic, and um. I personally prefer the nineties version, though. I'm often in the minority about that. Um, I really like this movie. I like the performances. I, I, I love the fact that it's in black and white. Um, but there's just something about it that, you know, it, it feels like it, it, in indie sixties movie, late sixties, early seventies movie. And I don't want to say that's not my thing. It, 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 I totally like movies in that era, but there's just something about this one. That's always, it's always felt older to me than 1968. I think it's the black and white. And mm-hmm. there's something refreshing about the 90s version. I think all the acting in this is excellent. I mean, th- there isn't a lot of script here. There isn't a lot to get in the way. Um, in the episode, uh, one of the things I, that, that uh, one of the reasons I've recommended that we watch it this way is that uh, I watched this several weeks ago when it aired with Joe Bob Briggs. And he kind of breaks things down in a way that make a lot of sense. Um, you know, the premise of the movie is world just went to chaos. The dead are coming back to life and they're all still trying to act like tomorrow is going to be the same as the day before, you know, uh, uh, Barbara's in a panic. Uh, the, the businessman guy is, is, is just trying to make it out another day, hide in the basement and this will all go away. Uh, Ben's trying to figure out a way for them to board up the house or get away. Uh, the the hillbilly guy and his what and his his wife, you know, he's newly married and he's trying to negotiate, trying to figure out a way to make everybody happy. And in the end, they all die. Yeah, it's it like it's almost like you know, no one's no one's safe um, in in the chaos. And uh, I like you know talking about the differences between this film and the '90s film, like you you know you you made you know we talked about barbara's character i i also prefer barbara in the 90s film i think like it makes sense in the original version in the sense that like she's in a state of panic like there has to be a character like that um because it's it's only realistic to have a person experiencing um the dead suddenly returning her you know witnessing her brother die and return and um yeah, that would I think that someone would I'm I'm surprised they only had one character that kind of like fell into a into a um a state of shock like that. Uh but another difference between the 90s and the original was in the 90s film you mentioned the the newly married couple. In the 90s film they shoot the gas tank to break the lock and then it explodes and I thought that was the stupidest thing ever like why would you shoot it? Um in the original, and I for, like I forgot, like they still shoot the tank, and I think it's uh, 
it's Ben that shoots the tank, actually, which again, like, why? Why would you, you know, use a firearm next to a gas tank? But it actually shoots the lock off and it works. And I, I forgot, and this is probably like why they changed it in the 90s film, because it's less plausible for like, I guess the gas tank lights on fire in the truck. And then the married couple try to drive away in a panic and there's yep. a bunch of fire and then, and then the truck explodes. Um, I don't know. I like, it's also more impressive to blow up like a, like a fuel, um, a fuel. Um, it, it, they, yeah. they wanted to put a bigger explosion. Yeah. I, and I, of course in the nineties, like it gave them a, a bigger excuse to to have a, a bigger explosion. So I, I get that too, that side of it as well. But um yeah, like there's there's a lot about this film, and you mentioned it feels older because it's presented in black and white. Uh, but I almost feel like, and you mentioned the acting as well. Personally, I feel like you're right. the The black and white presentation makes the film feel older, but the acting I feel like places this as a horror film closer to closer to like the like uh, it is ahead of its time. Because I feel like the acting, even though you you learn from from this Joe Bob's Briggs special, that a lot of the actors weren't actors at all. Like they were like re- nope, there was a receptionist were. and um, yep. a lawyer <laughs> that they brought in. The writers, uh, George Romero plays a character. Uh, the other writer Russo plays a character. Uh, they're bit parts, but like they're important parts. Yep, and uh, the producer is the guy that plays her brother. And for years, his his name wasn't even mentioned in the credits. They only added him later. Hmm. Yeah, I just I felt like the acting was not necessarily like decades ahead, but like f- further ahead of other horror films that were coming out in the late 70s. And I'll admit, I don't have a lot of experience, but from the ones I've seen and even into the 80s that I've seen, like acting was not something you put on the, you know, the the reasons this is a good movie list. Usually it's like, oh, it has, yeah. you know, and it. It has some good scares. It has has some uh, funny moments, but it's never like it's well acted. And there are obviously good films that came out in the 70s and 80s in the horror genre that had good acting. But I feel like it wasn't the norm, you know? Yeah, no, uh, horror is often where they, 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 you know, horror is always considered a a. It's often considered garbage, and it's such a shame because horror is my favorite, and I think that there's a lot of really good acting in horror that just kind of gets thrown to the wayside. Um, and again, the other thing that I the reason I wanted you specifically to watch this episode so we could talk about it is the 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 Night of the Living Dead copyright controversy has always been something that like I've read books on it, I've had it explained to me before. And I, it, it always turns into legal mumbo jumbo. And I'm like, what? I don't understand what you're talking about. And like, I, like, so it's not, it's, it's out of copyright. And they're like, yes. And I'm like, okay. But the story has always been convoluted. And he breaks down the, the story as to why it's out of copyright and why it was out of copyright the year it was aired in such a way that makes way more sense to me. I was always under the impression that George Romero and and uh and russo screwed up and it had nothing to do with them as to why the movie is out of copyright yeah it was like the publishing house or something that they used yeah it was originally under a new different title a different name and uh they couldn't use the name because there was going to be confusion with another movie from the 50s and 
So the publishing house, rather than going back to Romero and discussing it, they just cut out the original uh, opening uh, where it said Night of the Living Dead. I mean, uh, what the original title would be, which I think was Night of the Flesh Eaters or something like that. And they cut in Night of the Living Dead. But when they did it, they removed the piece of footage that put the posted the copyright on the film. And because they did that, it put the film out of copyright. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was a law requiring you to have like the copyright notice in the film. And that's that's yes. because it was cut out. That's the only reason it entered public domain, which is kind of like it's just one of those accidents. Right. Yep. It's it's one of those accidents. And as 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 Joe Bob puts it in the episode, and it's something I've never thought I've never thought about. It. The movie may not have been the success it was if it wasn't for the fact that it could get played anywhere and it was out of copyright. It, it, Romero might not have gotten the work he got later on if everybody hadn't seen that movie and it hadn't developed the cult following it had. Yeah. And it is interesting when you when you look at his catalog of films, and, and again, Joe Bob Briggs brings this up, in that initially George Romero was reluctant to return to zombies and it took him 10 years to actually come back and, and make another, uh, you know, of the dead film. And... Yeah. It, it was interesting to note, like, you're right, like, because it entered, it entered the public domain, like, it obviously gave him opportunities down the road. But because he was making films in the horror genre, he wasn't suddenly getting a bunch of calls to, to, to make a bunch of films like he, he still was working within his genre, like, I guess, you know, in, the, in that time, horror wasn't necessarily considered that, like, oh, let's call him up. He did really good with, you know, XYZ, as opposed to now, where you look at some of the directors working on big budget films. Like we talked about James Gunn earlier, like he got his start with movies like Slither being one of his first films. Um, yeah. Now he's making guardians of the galaxy one, two, three, and, 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 you know, uh, and a Christmas special and a Christmas special. And he's, he's doing big work with, with DC as well with the, uh, with suicide squad and, and peacemaker and stuff like it's different now, you know, like I yes. think when you make a, a great film, no matter the genre that gets you notoriety and work and, and the calls, right. As opposed to, and it didn't used to be that way. Exactly. Like even if you made a great horror film, you weren't necessarily, your phone wasn't ringing off the hook because again, it was that it was just the way the genre was treated, uh, back in the day. Lou, I, I want to take a break here and, and I'm curious. So I'm going to, I'm going to test your knowledge. And I thought this would be fun. Uh, because again, this was such a huge, you did not warn, you did not warn me about it. I didn't. Okay. No, I didn't, but I, I feel like this will be easy. So don't worry. Uh, so in the Joe Bob Briggs episode, they obviously talk a lot about Romero's work. And I thought, wouldn't it be fun if I asked Lou to name all of the, of the living or of the dead Romero zombie films, uh, off the top of his head and see if you can name all of them so night dawn day dead survival diary and uh uh uh, uh i can never remember the last one sorry go again so you you were so quick <laughs> night dawn day yeah diary survival and then there's another one and i can't ever remember the other one because i it, it was so throwaway i think i've only seen it like twice it's uh land of the dead Oh, Land of the Dead. Yeah, yeah. I'm forgetting the bigger, the best of the one of the best of the bunch. Is it? I can't. Yeah, tell. The, okay. that's the one with that's the one with Leg Leguizamo. I I I was getting it mixed up with Survival. 
Right. And I can also name I can also name all the films that he made. Uh, almost all the films he made between uh, Day and Dawn. I uh, Season of the Witch. Uh, uh, Martin, which oh my god, if you have never seen Martin, Martin's a hard find. But if you can find it, it's well worth the watch. It's a weird movie. Um, and then there's uh, uh, crap. I had them all in my head a minute ago. Oh, in the crazies. Yeah, yeah. I don't have that list in front of me, but can you name the follow up that's going to be released? Uh, you know, obviously Rom- Romero passed away in 2017. We we covered that on the show. Um. Can you name the film that's going to be released? Uh, Is it Road of the Dead? Ro- Ro- I think Road of the Dead was one of them that was... It's not what I have here, but that sounds super familiar. Um, it's titled Twilight of the Dead. I'm not familiar with that title. I think that name has changed two or three times. Yeah. I mean, as of right now, it looks like the last update... I'm just reading from Wikipedia. Uh, April 2021... It was put back into development under the supervision of Suzanne Romero uh, with uh, a couple folks finishing the script. And and, uh, Suzanne is quoted saying, this is the film he wanted to make, he being Romero. And while someone else will carry the torch as the director, it is very much a George A. Romero film. Uh, Yeah, no, there's uh, uh, I, I, I we've discussed on the show before. Uh, I sat through a special presentation in the middle of this pandemic where I was on a Zoom call with a bunch of people as we watched a presentation on um, uh, the um, college in Pittsburgh where he uh, went that has a Romero, like, they got all of Romero's stuff after he passed. It was donated to them, and they're archiving it, and there's a museum there now. Um, And I believe you can actually tour the museum now, like, as in, like, the last year or so, which is kind of cool. I kind of want to do that. Um, and one of the things that was discussed, cause we got to ask them questions uh, as a viewer, you could, you could ask the, the archivists questions and everybody wanted to know what was, where was the information on diamond dead? And they didn't even know what diamond dead was, uh, the archivists, we had to explain it to them. And it was a, uh, Fangoria magazine was teaming up with. Romero and they were going to do a zombie movie about a uh, uh, a rock band that made like a deal with the devil and they got turned into zombies and there it was going to be more of a comedy and it was going to be like they were dead and their 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 agent was bringing them around like zombies on a tour and would put them out on stage and they were feeding them fans after the show. <laughs> Wow. And it was supposed to be like a comedy. <clears throat> and this girl was supposed to find out what was going on and trying to expose them. And it never went anywhere. Um, there was a bunch of casting and then it just died out. There was shots. There was pieces of script. And these archivist guys were like, oh, we're going to have to go look for this now because it was not here in the information we were given. So what they were going to reach back out to uh, Romero's wife to find out if they she knew anything about it. Neat. And people were like, no, they were talking about it in Fangoria for years. This is a thing. It's really cool. Yeah, no, I remember you mentioning that uh, that presentation, and it was, I, I did not get a chance to watch it, but uh, it sounded really cool. So, I mean, I think, uh, I think if you, if you look it up, it, you might be able to find the recording somewhere. Also, if you're looking, also, if you're looking for something new with Romero, the amusement park is on Shutter as well. 
Um, that was the film that uh, was the lost film that Romero made for um, it was for a religious group that wanted to do a, a movie on uh, being old and treating old people nice and, and with kindness, even though they might have dementia. And it is a horror movie. I haven't sat through the whole thing. It's kind of a hard watch. It's really weird. And it's very late 70s, early 80s. I wouldn't even say 80s. It's very 70s movie. And it's it, it feels like an episode of The Twilight Zone. It's really weird. It's interesting. Yeah, lots of... I know, I remember... I remember that being a big deal when it was uh, when it was announced that they were they were bringing it back with with Night of the Living Dead. I mean, you know, getting back to uh, the film, it you really you really get a sense that you know Joe Bob Briggs really cares about Romero and his work, and and really cares about this film. And like I said, he knows all the lines. Of course, he does. And uh, here's another one that he that he uh, that he made reference to. Kill the brain and you kill the ghoul. And they're dead. They're all messed up. So I think he was quoting the... I can't remember if it was the sheriff or the... He's quoting the sheriff at the end of the movie. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I, it was a great time watching this film again, and it was even better the fact that we got to uh, watch it in this sort of format. So, um, Lou, I, I really appreciate you bringing it to my attention. And I'll... Uh, I mean, if there are other... Uh, last drive-in episodes that you think are worth checking out. I, I will check out that Walking Dead one. There is another one I wanted to recommend to you. Um, it's a movie that I've actually been thinking about after I watched it on here that it might be something fun for us to cover. If you give me a moment, I will tell you what it is as I look it up on Shutter right now. If it's still available, because that's the hard part, is when Shutter pulls their movies... They remove his episodes, oh. and then, and then when the movie gets added back to Shutter, they add those episodes back. Huh? Interesting. Is because I know they include the movies, so they they figure if they license it for Shutter, they're able to basically keep the whole episode. Yes. What they do is, is if an episode does get pulled, they have an archive where they add just his interstitials without the movie. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, and the movie is the movie is a zombie movie. It's called Dead and Buried. Dead and Buried. Okay. It's a. It, it, I'd never seen it before. It's one of those movies that I'd always heard that was something I should check out, but it always sounded kind of weird, and I didn't really know the director, and I didn't know anybody in it, and I just it was one of those movies where I was like, oh, I'll get around to it, and then they aired it one night on this, and I was like, oh wow, this that was kind of a cool movie, and I, I I've been meaning for us to possibly talk about it in the future. Uh, if we watch it, I would recommend we watch it on the sh the, the last drive-in version because he knew some stuff about that as well. So it looks like for the folks at home, you've got uh, the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs, Dead and Buried. It was aired in 2021. I'm trying to find yep. the episode. Uh, it's uh, week five. Week five. Okay. So, so season three. There you go. Week five, season three. Uh so definitely check that out. Um, I will I will look into that and we will uh, we will look. Maybe we'll watch that one. Not next, but but soon enough. Uh, yeah. So uh, speaking of what's next coming up on Zamp, we do have more Walking Dead to get to with Dead in the Water, which is the uh, sub. I want to call it a sub short, but it was the sub sort of like side episode. Uh, 
I really feel like you can't call them shorts anymore when they're 40 minutes. <laughs> no. So we're going to watch that. And also afterwards, we're going to talk about Fear the Walking Dead Season 7 Part 2. We're going to wrap that all up in one episode, our next episode. And uh, it sounds like we're going to include Dead and Buried uh, as well in there at some point in the future uh, from The Last Drive-In. And we're also going to take a look at that new Resident Evil series, which is premiering on Netflix. And it was July 14th that's launching, right, Lou? That, uh, I think that's what the trailer I saw today said. It was like mid-July. Yeah, we've got a big summer planned, lots of zombie content coming our way, and we're going to mix things up with, uh, I think, The Last Drive-In made an impression. So I'm, I'm looking forward to watching another episode and seeing how that goes. So uh, we'll have plenty to discuss over the next coming months. And if you want to discuss things with us, you can join our Discord, bit.ly slash zamp discord. I also want to thank our patrons at patreon.com slash zombies ate my podcast where you can support the show directly through Patreon. You can visit our website, zombiesatemypodcast.com. You can email us, info at zombiesatemypodcast.com. If you're on social media, you can like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter, at Zombies Podcast. And while you're there, you can follow me at R. Murphy and Lou at Busy Zombie Lord. And finally, a quick shout-out to Joel Duggan uh, who for the artwork. Uh, and you can find more of his stuff at joelduggan.com. Com. Lou, before we exit the show, I have one last surprise for you that I did not prepare you for, and uh, be ready for this. Incoming bad zombie joke. Oh, no. Okay, time for zombie jokes. Really? What kind of bread do zombies eat? Whole brain. <laughs> Good one. Why don't zombies eat popcorn with their fingers? They eat the fingers separately. Oh, yeah, that one was pretty good. What do dyslexic zombies eat? Brian's. Why can't zombies eat comedians? They taste funny. There you go, Lou. I think we've covered all those with Bob. Yeah, I know. As soon as he did it, I thought like, oh, man, that just reminds me of Bob's bad zombie joke. So there you go. The return of the bad zombie joke. I'll give you one more just for... Just for old times sake. Incoming bad zombie joke. So there you go. Lou, before we exit, we will continue the tradition. Any more wise words for our fans? Uh, take us out. I'm just glad I got you to watch the last drive-in. Mission, mission accomplished. Yeah. We're going to do more. Let's do it. Let's do it.